Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Seen It All, where we break down this week's biggest movie and TV news. And the new movie we have this week is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I gotta say, this is my new favorite movie of the year. And I know I feel like I say that every week at this point, but it seems like every movie just keeps topping topping the one before it. So they spent you can tell they spent so much money on this movie. It has better VFX than Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania, which costs $50 million more than this. This film costs $150 million to make, and Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania costs $200 million. The VFX looks, VFX looks better in this film. The action scenes are great, particularly there was a dragon one in the middle that I really liked with a big, really... You tell in the trailer that it's like a chonky dragon, but it's even chonkier than I thought thought possible and it was just rolling around it was so cool and then my other favorite action scene was the final fight and then that counts as like the coliseum fight where they they all they have to they have to go through they're running through uh mazes and stuff trying to avoid um, some panther monster but they were all great um the characters all worked together so well they had like certain traits that helped the entire group so all their powers worked together with one another but I've never played D- Dungeons and Dragons myself, and I really enjoyed this. I knew there was a ton of references in here, and I knew like none of them. But I really, I, but I want to break down the characters. My favorite of the characters being Michelle Rodriguez, who played uh, Holgar, I think, and she was the most physical and also the quietest of the group, very stoic. And she had she had some great action scenes. I love. There was a scene where she just kept throwing people against the wall, and you could. You, I was like, that's a that's a strong woman right there. And she's an assortment, which I thought was pretty funny. But that was she played a very strong woman. And then Chris Pine, he's just doing he's doing his Chris Pine stick. He got paid like twelve million dollars for this film. So I mean, good for him getting that money. Get it, Chris. But he he just does what he normally does, playing the funny man. But he doesn't take himself too seriously. And I commend that for him. And his focus is more on trying to get back his daughter in the film. And the daughter is played by Adam Driver's daughter in the movie 65, which <laughs> I think is pretty funny. She's just getting she's getting all those daughter roles, and I got to commend her for it. But Chris Pine, he definitely delivered on some of the emotional beats, and I thought he did pretty well on that. And then Justice Smith, he plays a sorcerer, and he was kind of annoying in the beginning, but like he he could not get do anything. And I really I really hate those characters that just can't get crap done. Like just do it. I don't know. It's just not a personality trait trait that I see myself, and I don't I don't like surrounding myself with people like that. It's like just get the work done. And he was not getting the work done, but he made up for it in the end. He especially with his awesome powers. Um, there was a part where he kept changing the gravity in one room. And the camera moved with it, so it just it looked all really cool. But other than Michelle Rodriguez, my other favorite character was played by Sophia Lillis, who was like the shapeshifter of the group. And there was a one take of her trying to escape the castle where she kept switching in between animals, and it, it was so cool. They kept it all in one take, and I don't know how they did it with her popping up in different scenes. I know there was definitely hidden cuts in there with all this the, all the CGI of the animals, but it was so cool. And her powers were definitely the coolest and they kept changing form throughout the fights and it made it so much more dynamic. And then we had also Regé John Page. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce his name. He was in it for less than I thought he would be. And I have to say, I liked him way better here than he was than in The Green Man where he played like an FBI agent. He was just awful in that movie. That film was also just awful. But he was just awful in that movie and I've never seen Bridgerton before so I had no idea because I know a lot of people love him, and I had no idea. I was like, why are you in love with this man? He was awful and gray man. But he he isn't he, he really asked to do a lot here besides be cool, and he, he pulled that off well. He looked he looked very cool whenever he was uh, his action scenes. He had some sword fights, but there was he, he delivered a lot of exposition, exposition, too. Yeah, this movie has a lot, a lot of exposition. <laughs> and then the last character I want to touch on is Hugh Grant. And on the other hand, I thought he was going to have a... 
he had a much larger role than I thought he would. And he, Hugh Grant was just okay to me. He, I, he, I don't know. He could have just done something more with it. I don't know. Maybe I got thrown off the way he treated that interviewer in the Oscars, but I don't know. Every time I looked at him, he had such a smug look on his face. So his character was pretty smug, but in the beginning, he's rocking longer hair. And I think he looked better with the longer hair than the short hair he had at, in the second half of the movie. And I do have to say though, the movie could have been shorter. It's two hours and 14 minutes right now. And some of the stuff they could have cut down on, like I didn't need that much exposition. I'm pretty sure some people can read it in on what's happening. And then the funniest jokes were given away in the trailers. I felt like I thought this movie was going to be funny. I thought it was going to be more like the Lego movie and stuff like that. Because I want a good, fun action comedy. And the best jokes I already knew the punchline too. So, um, but this is just got to say overall, definitely best movie of the year so far. And I'm definitely going to see this again. I got some big news. Him came my way in the middle of the movie. So it kind of threw me off. So I definitely have to go see it again for those scenes that I was kind of freaking out over. But I want to see it again for the characters, for those action scenes where they're all working together as a group. And someone threw out the idea that these directors who also directed Game Night, which I love, that they should do X-Men because of all the different powers. And I would be so down for that because all the characters work together and they they went after certain spots in, in that final battle where they're all teaming up against the Red Witch. Oh, it was, it was so cool. It was so cool. But let's discuss the box office of Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Right now it has 89% in Rotten Tomatoes, and they have done a total of three sneak preview screenings for this film. They did one last Sunday, one the prior Sunday, and then one yesterday, or one on Wednesday. And none of them are near me, so I didn't get to do no sneak preview, which is very annoying. I really dislike my local theaters. I can never get anything good we don't even have imax within like 45 minutes of us it's ridiculous and i think def i think paramount is definitely confident in the quality of this film but definitely they are not confident in this that this will perform well when the first trailer came out i thought that it would open to like 50 million plus but i guess i under underestimated the dungeons and dragons franchise because it looks to open with 30 to 40 million stateside and 65 million worldwide and this film has a budget of 150 million dollars i really hope this film overperforms i don't i don't know if it will but there was a lot more people in my theater than I thought there would, but I guess maybe that's just because we're all on spring break right here, so that might have something to do with it. But yeah, with the popularity of Stranger Things and Dungeons and Dragons on that taking heavy influence from the game, I thought I thought this one would open better. Uh, so I don't know. I re I really hope this one does well. I want to see all films do well, please. And then let's transition to our next topic, and that is the box office of last week. So we saw John Wick Chapter 4. It opened to $73 million stateside. What a tremendous success. I saw the movie again this week, and it lost a little bit of its thunder considering it's three-hour one time, but those action scenes, those incredible action scenes still hit. My favorite, my favorite being that car chase scene in Paris in the roundabout where everybody, all the cars are flying, people chasing. Oh, it's just as good as the second time. But some of the exposition, some of their stuff, it kind of dragged on. And I think the fun, the funnest parts about John Wick are when brutal stuff happens and it's totally unexpected. Like when he jumps out of the window where he t tosses down the stairs 20 times that stuff is like the best parts of the movie and it relies on initial shock value so i think it, it kind of hurts it seeing the second time but this opening is above the first john wick which opened with 14 million the second john wick opened with 30 million and then 30 million ish and then the third john wick that opened with 56 million so this franchise just keeps growing and it's it's just a testament to the quality of these projects that can open so big and john wick chapter 4 has a budget of 100 million and they, this will for sure make the studio a ton, a ton of money. And then they, making this ton of money, they have announced like they're doing a ton of spinoffs. There's um, one spinoff that's rumored, or it said it will be announced pretty soon with a mystery character, mystery title. And I think it's definitely going to follow Akira from the film. And, that, and probably Donnie Yen's character as well. And I'll be there for it. I love their storyline of 
and they had great action scenes too so i hope for the good action scenes and then they also have the the previously announced ballerina which will star on a and then john wick will show up keanu reeves john wick will show up in that one i think it's supposed to take place in between chap- john wick chapter three and chapter four and that's aiming for a spring or summer 2024 release date and then the third one we have is that they're doing a continental series on peacock it's gonna be like a three-part series i think so and it's gonna follow winston as he start as a hitman uh, hotelier and they're shooting for i think to aim for a fall release and i i love winston winston's my favorite character in all four movies i love him he's great so hopefully they can cast someone who can mimic ian mcshane well because i love that character mostly because of ian mcshane so we'll have to see and then they also said the success of john wick 4 that they're looking at doing number five but with how this movie ends it kind of feels wrong for them to want to do a five and also how do you even top this one i feel like if we push the john wick films further it will just kind of feel like noise at some point and just all the action will just be just noise on the screen and at some point we're just going to get diminishing returns every time but i mean we'll see i think honestly think keanu reeves is kind of done for now but especially especially all of, he just said he did 90 percent of the stunts for the last stunts for the last movie and i think he turned 60 this year so all i can see for him i think he's just going to show up the ballerina movie like i said earlier i don't think they're going to do it on my chapter five as much as they're going to pride at they're going to um they're going to try to get chad stahelsey back and keanu reeves back but i think they're all going to move on and do new things at least i hope that's for them because i don't want to i feel like you can't really top john wick four honestly i'm i like john wick four but also feels like that I've seen so many of the action scenes, like you, you can't just keep going with the same franchise. Like I, I'm tired out. Same with the like the Fast and Furious. That's why they have to keep topping themselves, and then it just gets point where it's just crazy. And I really don't want that to happen, to John Wick franchise, please. <laughs> and then let's talk about the major failure of this past week. Shazam: Fury of the Gods is continuing to flop on a major scale. It fell 68% this past week to 9.7 million dollars. And it's looking to finish worldwide at at the end of his box office run with 150 million dollars. What a complete failure! This film costs like 125 million to produce, so this film is going to lose a lot, a lot of money. And we also saw Zachary Levi, who plays Shazam, he was like pleading on Instagram Live. He should have not done that, and he's basically blamed The Rock for the failures of this film. And he also said the marketing was bad, which I agree with him on that. And it just it doesn't look like it's not a good look. And then James Gunn this week, he also keeps combating r- online rumors, like there's a rumor about Superman, and he just keeps starts combating it. And I just think I think the talent behind the DC films just seem to stay off social media. Stop causing unneeded drama around these films. I've, you're you're not doing yourself any favors do you see kevin feige the head of marvel on twitter very much no and their movies they're still drama but there's not a drama to the degree that there is in dc so just stop although it gives me some fun stuff to talk about but stop it's just it's clouding the waters and people are just turned off by it and don't want to go see your movie so james gunn just stay off twitter stop going back on twitter zachary levi don't do any more instagram lives please stop posting stuff that pisses off the fan base because I understand they have their opinions, but just don't share them because then you're going to get people to hate you and then you're not going to make any money. Like, it's simple math. Okay? Okay? (laughs) And then let's keep with the DC news. We also have some Clayface news for the Batman Part 2. Part 2. 
And we had two pieces of news that come out regarding the Clayface roles in DC's future. Um, one of these regards around Mike Flanagan, who has made some of my favorite shows of all time, at least my favorite horror shows of all time. He definitely has that bar. I love Haunting the Hill House, Haunting the Blind Manor, and then my favorite being Midnight Mass. Those are all just like three excellent shows. I highly recommend. They're all on Netflix. I'm just such a huge fan of his work, and they they are so emotional. It gets me every time. And then it is said that he pitched Mike Flanagan. He pitched a Clayface movie where Clayface would be the lead. I really hate this idea. It kind of seems like we're doing in the Sony Spider-Man universe, which you all know I hate. And they're making the villains the main characters, and in turn making them good guys. But I don't know. I really don't like those. But I have I have faith in this point for Mike Flanagan. He's made some of my favorite shows of all time, like I said. So I think he could deliver, but. I really don't want DC nor Mike Flanagan to put their effort, efforts towards this project. Mike, just continue to make your great horror stuff. Um, DC has not said yes, but they have not said no either. So I guess we'll see. But along with this info, it also we also learned that ever the ever-changing Batman Part Two scripts they're currently writing them. Clayface plays a major role in the sequel, meaning he's like a major villain, and. Please don't make him the main villain, please. I really want Mr. Freeze. I really want Mr. Freeze. This is coming from a fan who really's only real interaction with Clayface is from Harley Quinn the Animated Series. And sometimes he gets a laugh at me, but most of the time I find him to be really, just really, really annoying. And I know Matt Reeves wouldn't take it that way. Like it wouldn't be the same tone, but I just want a really cool villain, cool ass villain like Mr. Freeze in my Batman sequel, please. His storyline's so cool with him like having to sacrifice himself or trying to get blood to save his wife. Oh, it just, it's such a cool, and I love the freezing powers, please. And then, so also I was just like, Who's are we gonna have the Joker play a major role after his tease by Barry Keoghan in the last movie? After he showed up in like a few scenes in that one, or is he gonna show up? So I don't know. I really want this movie to be good. So we'll see. Just I don't want Clayface to be the main villain, please. <laughs> and then let's transition to the next topic. We had uh Pixar and DreamWorks both debut trailers on the same day this week. Uh, for why? Why did you have to do this? Why are you guys fighting with each other? Please stop. Um, DreamWorks debuted theirs later than the Pixar one, and it was so unnecessary. The true trailers that debated were for Pixar's Elementals, and then DreamWorks's Trolls 3 or Trolls Band Together. Elementals clearly won this fight. It had a much bigger impact, so I think Trolls definitely should have saved their trailer for the next day, but let's start off talking about that Elementals, tra- Elementals trailer. It looks so freaking beautiful. Um, after job Bob Chapek screwed over Pixar by like putting all their movies on Disney Plus, my favorite he put out like two of my favorite Pixar movies ever. I love Soul. Soul is probably my favorite animated movie of all time. Highly recommend. And then Turning Red, which was definitely the best animated movie last year. Those are all just those are just great movies and I never got to see them in the theater. I was so sad about it. And thankfully, Pixar is back on the big screen. It it looked like they were coming back last year with Lightyear, but Lightyear was like a total, total failure. But <sighs> hopefully. This looks, this looks right for the making. The colors and the environments look amazing, and I'm ready for my heart to break. Something in this movie is going to make my heart break, and I'm, I'm prepared for it. The designs in this film, you can totally tell they're right for a theme park. Just like they're building in Zootopia Land, I want this in a theme park. I want different elements and different rides and stuff. Oh, I could totally see it. I really hope this does well. But it's also opening up against The Flash on June 16th, and I really hope that doesn't torpedo this movie because I really want it to do well. I don't, I don't think besides uh, no hard feelings with jennifer lawrence that opens up on june 23rd i'd probably move this elementals till there so it doesn't have to fight off with flash on its first weekend and also is elementals not going to play an imax then because that sucks although i don't have an imax near me so it wouldn't affect me very much 
And then along with this Elementals trailer, they also announced that uh, Carl's Date, a short film that will conclude the Up universe, will play in front of Elemental. This will be the last time we see Ed Asner perform as Carl from Up, and it's going to follow Carl's date, first date with someone since Ellie died. And I... It's come from people who've already seen this, that everyone is going to be crying in the theater before this film starts. And I'm glad Pixar is finally getting back on their excellent streak of short films. My favorite of theirs is still Bao, that was directed by Domi Shi, I think is how I pronounce her name, who made Turning Red. And that was just an excellent, excellent short film that played in front of Cardinals 2, that got everybody sobbing. We're all like, when it first came on, we're like, what is happening? What is this dumpling that is doing? And then we were all crying by the end. It was just great. I love when Pixar can do that. They can just surprise you with an incredible 10-minute short film that will get you, get you emotion out of you. And then let's talk about the other trailer, Trolls Band Together also dropped. Man, this did, this did not look good at all. I enjoyed the first Trolls film, and I actually really liked the second Trolls film. I think it's Trolls World Tour, which came out during the pandemic. It was like the first one to transition to release on digital when it, when the when the pandemic hit last in 2020. Why did I say last year? 2020. But this film looks like the third Trolls film. It looks like a straight-to-DVD sequel. It looks and sounds the same as the two previous entries, but the story seems so contrived, and, like, we've done this ever already in, like, so many other stories. Branch has said to have a long-lost brother, and they're going to reunite the brand. Seriously, what are we doing with this third installment? After the major success that was, like, Puss in Boots' Last Wish, I really hope DreamWorks doesn't just go back to making crap movies like The Boss Baby, but this doesn't, this does not seem like a good sign, please. I like the Trolls World Tour, and it had, like, a grand skill. I, I want that in my animated films. If you're gonna, if you're just gonna make a simple story like that, just make it live action at that point. But if you're gonna use animation, use it as a tool to make grand stories that can't be told anywhere else. So, I don't know. Puss in Boots used that well. I don't know how this one's gonna turn out, but we'll see. And I want to talk about some more Disney corporate shenanigans. Uh, first, I want to discuss Ike Perlmutter, who was fired who I don't really think really had any daily uh, effect in the day-to-day meanderings of Marvel Studios since like 2015, where he tried to get Kevin Feige fired and Bob Iger stepped in and relegated his position. He still has a ton of shareholder power, but he basically just was kicking him out at the, he basically just kicked him out at this point. It was totally a big FU from Bob Iger to him. And man, does this news make me so happy. Ike, Ike Perlmutter, he's just, he's an awful He's an awful, awful dude. He stopped the work of any diverse movies. Like there was leaked emails about Black Panther and Captain Marvel saying no one was gonna see it, and he was he was a racist, a sexist dude, and he was just an entitled man that did not deserve what he had been given. So I'm glad Bob Iger has given him the axe. He also tried to stage a coup with Nelson Peltz early last year to take over a spot on the Disney chair board. That completely fell apart when Bob Iger came on board, and thank God it did. Bob Iger is really the savior this company needed. And then in other Disney corporate news, I think we have just witnessed the biggest corporate trolling ever because last year with the whole don't say gay bill in Florida, Disney took a stance to get it against it and Ron DeSantis took direct offense to this and sought to remove their control of the Reedy Creek district, a district that Walt Disney created to build Disney World and run he ran so the construction so there he ran the construction there to build the roads when Disney World was first built so the tax burden wouldn't play placed on Florida because there wasn't really a big um, there wasn't really a big tourist injury at the industry at that point. So Disney paid for all the roads and stuff. And that was the deal. They have complete autonomy and it has been a win-win for both the company and the state at that point. But Ron DeSantis, he stepped in, he took control of the districts and he elected his own board members. Most of whom it's come out that they paid him thousands of dollars in funding. So uh, this man, <laughs> and they were going to run the district how they see fit, meaning they could really screw over Disney with this and they can make, they can make in every ride or hotel they want to 
they that Disney wants to build be like a huge hassle. They could they could finagle with everything. They could also try to build their own stuff on the property and definitely hurt the Disney magic. Like that's why you go to Disney World for the Disney magic. You don't Disneyland. It's surrounded by like chain motels and McDonald's and stuff. Disney World, however, it's like a secluded area. It's just Disney, and I think that's why people love it. So stop interfering with the stuff. But it came out this week that Disney has already circumvent circumvented this. As they passed a bill that involved the King's Charles Clause, which means that Disney can basically do whatever they want until 21 years after the King Charles line dies out. So basically forever. And they did it entirely in the public view. That means the board that was elected basically cannot do anything at all besides road maintenance and other things, which is absolutely hilarious. If Ron DeSantis had actually looked into this, he could totally have seen this, but this is why Disney was not clean at all, because they had this card up their sleeve. And now DeSantis is going to hire big lawyers and sue Disney, but honestly, at this point, Disney has won, and Ron DeSantis is just wasting taxpayer money, which he just loves to do. Disney deserves their autonomy, and DeSantis should not get involved in this private company's business, even though they disagree with his own personal beliefs. And Bob Iger, he's just such a badass, and I really hope he writes another book about his time back at Disney, because I would read that in a heartbeat. I love, he's like firing everybody. He's getting this house in check after Bob Chapek screwed up everything and i'm so happy and then they also have news of house of the dragon season two house of the dragon was my favorite show from last year i loved every sunday night we had like watch parties oh it was so it was so much fun i loved house of the dragon <laughs> it was it was just best show of the year last year all the family incest oh it was great it was great how how uh and they had some great dragon scenes like oh wait you can't get any more you can't get any better it was even better than Game of Thrones, in my opinion. It was better than Game of Thrones. There, I said it. And it said, it's come out now that House of the Dragon Season 2 is set to consist of 8 episodes, while the first season had 10. And this is said to be strictly for story reasons, and I'm totally okay with this. I mean, I want... I don't need long... I'm tired of 3-hour movies, honestly. I love... 3-hour movies, I love Avatar, but... Can we stop making every movie three hours, please? It's hard to get people to go watch three-hour movies, I swear. I try. I asked people, do you want to go see this movie with me? They're like, what's the runtime? I said three hours. They said, nope, it's not happening. So I love when you can make something concise because it doesn't need to be 10 hours long unless it unless the story, it's all what the story needs. Not every movie needs, it doesn't, when a movie comes out that says three hours, that doesn't make it the best movie of all time. If a movie comes out in an hour and a half, that does not make it the worst movie of all time. It's just the runtime that sees the story fit. So I'm perfectly fine with eight episodes versus first episodes, 10 season. <laughs> first episode, first season's 10 episodes. And it also comes out there currently mapping out the future of the series with season three having been written and then almost greenlit. And I think and hope this means that the seasons will start to come out within a year or so versus like the two years we have to wait for the second season. When Game of Thrones will come out, I'm pretty sure it'd come out, a new season will come out every year, which I, that's great. That's what it should be like. Not this, where we have to wait. First season came out 2022. The next one is supposed to come out summer 2024. And with Last of Us, we got this one in 20, early 2022, and we're gonna have to probably wait till 2025 for season two, which is, it's ridiculous. You gotta play in this crap better. I can plan it for you. I know how to plan stuff. <laughs> I don't know why these top executives can't plan this stuff out. And it's also come out that it looks like the show will end with the fourth season, which is what the original plan was. That's what George R. R. Martin said he thinks this the link should be. And I think this just sounds great. Like I said earlier, House of Dragons was my favorite show last year, and I'm just I just wanted this to be back on TV again. And thank goodness David Zaslav did not cut the budget on the show like he did so many others. He can so many shows, and thank the Lord that this is getting its second season, and White Lotus is getting a third season that's set to be set in Thailand. Last of Us is getting a second season, although I don't know when we're going to see it. But I'm just, HBO keeps knocking it out of the park. Not on their, when their stuff comes out, but on the quality of it, you gotta give them credit. They make the best shows, and I love, I love that they drop 
eight o'clock on Sunday night. It's amazing. And uh, other streaming services need to do better. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Disney Plus, because we're about to talk about Disney Plus. But if you have floundering views, drop it at a regular time, not three in the morning, because it screws up everybody's sleep schedule. It screws up my sleep schedule. I want to watch it at night and then go to bed. I don't have to wake up and watch it in the morning for fear I'm going to get it spoiled. This is ridiculous. You need to plan your crap better, Disney. Everybody needs to plan their stuff better in Hollywood. <laughs> and then let's transition over to the Disney Plus stuff. Um, Mandalorian, the episode five, I believe, of season three called The Pirate came out. Wow, was this the best episode of the season or what? So many interesting plot lines that led to a great 20-minute action scene. This will get into spoilers, by the way. First, let's start with the New Republic side. We see Paul Sung... Paul Sung... Paul Sung Lee, I'm pretty sure, I hope I'm saying his name right, I really hope, I love him on Kim's Convenience, he, he plays Mr. Kim, he's great, and he plays a rebel character here, and he gets a message from Grief Karga, who's in search of aid after, like, a pirate attack, pirate attack, and we also see Zeb, he's from Star Wars Rebels pop-up here, and they didn't make a big deal out of it, which I think is for the betterment of the show, um, cause that way I feel like Mandalorian had kind of turned into like, oh, who's the cameo of the week, but they didn't make a huge deal out of it, which thank goodness. And I also, I also really hate his character in the animated show. So that wasn't really exciting for me, but I'm happy. I'm happy for all those rebel fans out there because rebels was really same with Clone Wars, Star Wars rebels and bad batch. It's all very hit and miss for me. It feels like they're just throwing stuff at the walls, hoping it sticks. And Zeb definitely did not stick. I like Hera, but that's about it from Star Wars rebels. All the rest of them, I could lose them. Especially Zeb, especially Zeb. <laughs> and at the end of the episode, we also see that the that Paul Sung Lee's rebel character discovers the remains of an Imperial shuttle that was carrying Moff Gideon to trial, and it's been completely destroyed with no remains of Moff Gideon, just some remains of some other dead people. But there's some Beskar on the walls of the ships. I have no idea what this means. Is I'm I'm curious what it set it up, and I'm excited for a mystery. Hopefully they'll reveal it slowly so we can try to guess what it is. Because right now I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> and then also love that the plot lines that have characters searching for certain things that the entire universe believe doesn't exist just like one man against the entire society which is what like paul's character has been doing basically he's believes the empire's back and nobody else is like and eh, they're not back they're gone and i love those types of stories say with like stranger things and stuff where the kids like know about stuff and nobody else does oh for some reason, those stories, perfect for me, perfect for me. And then let's talk about the Mandalorians themselves. We see they have to figure out whether or not to aid Grief Karga in his fight against the pirates. Excuse me. And then from episode one, the, the pirates from episode one, the ones that came back into a fight in this one that Mandalorian pissed off. But we also see, we see Paz Vizsla gave a speech basically arguing against helping and he got me he got me right before he said this is the way and so the mandalorians had a right to fight these pirates he's becoming one of my favorite characters on this show i love him and we get to see the mandos take out these pirates in the air and on the ground as they drop in from ships oh it was so cool it was a great action scene they spent a ton a ton of money on this show and it looks way better than any of the marvel shows last year from moon knight and she hulk and miss marvel it just looks way better than they spent so much more money especially for moon knight's finale where they like cut away before the climax oh it was, it was really upsetting for me but the mandalorians win of course they do and we see that they will now have a piece of land on navarro but more importantly we see that bo katan is becoming the leader of both kinds of mandalorians those who remove their helmets and those who do not and we also see the armor i thought she, when she asked for bo to take her helmet off, i was like "Ooh, is there something is there some romantic chemistry going on here is is bo gonna go with armor over din 
But I really wanted Dinjarin and her to fight for this role, and now it doesn't really look like it. It looks like Din's just going to support Bo-Katan and leading. I guess I've seen more like his character, but I really wanted them to have to fight each other, and one of them have to, like, I want them to fall in love and fight each other. I just want them to do, like, the Game of Thrones, Daenerys, and Jon Snow storyline. Like, please, it's such a great storyline. Just repeat it. <laughs> and I have great aspirations for the last three episodes, episodes of this series. Bryce Dallas Howard is directing episode six, and she directed Book of Boba Fett episode five, which was the best episode of that show. She also directed some of the best episodes of season one and season two, so I am so excited mostly for her show, for her episodes. And then we also see Rick Femiua, who is directing the last two, episode seven and episode eight. He does some great episodes, too. He's writing on this season, too, so he's going to be great. And I think we also have seen everything on the trailers at this point, so I have, like, no idea what is coming next, which I love. I love when the trailers don't give everything away. Thank you. And then and other Disney Plus news, we also have from release dates. Secret Invasion, the next Marvel show, is coming June 21st, which seems like a long wait between two large Disney Plus shows, but, I mean, oh, well. We got a trailer for that back in, like, August, so... That is a long wait. That's a long wait between trailer and delivery date. But if it means the quality of the show is better, I'm all here for it. And then we also heard from Tom Hiddleston, I think, from himself that said Loki will probably air end of summer, September. I'm probably leaning more towards September so they can leave some space between Secret Invasion and Loki. And then Percy Jackson, which season one has already wrapped and should be releasing, I think, early 2024. Uh, season two is being written out, but it has not been greenlit yet. And I think I think Disney wants this and American Born Chinese which stars like all of the everything, everywhere, all at once stars, which comes out on May 24th. I think they want these two series to be though that big, as big as those Marvel and Star Wars shows are without being connected to those franchise. Disney really needs a hit that's not Star Wars or Marvels at this point. And I think, I think they're probably going to get it with maybe not American born Chinese. We'll have to see the quality of that, but they're definitely going to get that with Percy Jackson. There's a huge, a huge untapped fan base of Percy Jackson, especially when it's accurate to the books, which this one looks like it is pretty much so far. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that film, for that show, excuse me the film's not so good and now let's talk about what we have next week two two major movies are coming i'm so excited i get to do another another double feature um super mario bros which comes out on april 5th just like air which i'll talk about in a second is holding reactions till monday of next week which is not a very good sign but also be their opening night so we will see if this gets bad reviews, I'm solely, I'm solely putting the blame on Illumination, which honestly my is probably my least, my least favorite studio. They, just, they always put out crap content. I hate the Minions franchise. I always say hate. It just seems so. They just have such low effort, low effort every single time. And I really hope this film is good. Please, I'm scared for the future of Nintendo movies based on this track record. I don't want it to have a history repeat itself like in the '90s when they made that really awful Super Mario Bros. movie, and then Nintendo got scared away from the film industry for 30 years. Ugh, please don't scare scare Nintendo away, please. And then Air also comes out next week, and my excitement is growing for this film. Unlike Mario, Mario, it seems like it's on a downward trajectory at this point, because the reactions have just been stellar. My dad and I will be there opening night, and I am just so excited for this film. I was listening to The Herd the other day, and he raved about the movie, so I'm very excited. But... That'll do it for this week's episode of Seeing It All. Did you make it out to go see Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves? If you haven't, I implore you. I implore you to make that your film you see. Okay? Okay. <laughs> and make sure to follow us on our social media. We have Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find us at Seeing, us all, seeing It All on there. And make sure you guys join us back here for next week. I'll give my Super Mario Bros. review and my air review. Thank you all. Bye-bye.